Hi, this is Derwin James, and you listen to the Chargers Podcast Network. All right, guys, welcome to another draft edition of Chargers Weekly. We told you we're going to get a draft analyst on every single week leading up to the draft. We're just over a week away. Mike Redder, Pro Football Focus, joins me. And Mike was here almost a year ago, and he predicted, I'm going to, I'm going to have the tape, he predicted Jerry Tillery and Nazir Adderley to the Chargers. Uh, Mike, a very proud moment for you, I imagine. It made too much sense, and it was proud. But, I mean, they didn't really have the rookie years I had hoped. But I, they're actually kind of an, I don't want to say an easy team to target for, but, like, you can, they're very schematically sort of unique. And so you can really project players to that defense uh, very, kind of easily in terms of who fits there. Well, you mentioned, because Jerry missed most of the offseason program he, he got into training camp late and then Nas just had some injuries so he showed some flashes in in preseason that that fourth preseason game but to get a healthy Nazir Adderley coupled with Jerry Tillery next to Linval Joseph and and those bookends and Bosa and Ingram and then that that stack charger secondary a lot of potential for those two guys I'm excited like if they add one more piece to that defense they don't have an, like that could be the most complete defense in the NFL uh, they just need then the quarterback. That's all they need then after that. You've been grinding with this uh, pro football focused draft guy. Tell us about that. Uh, it's it's available for those that want it. Yeah, so it's over 1,200 pages, I think now, or close to 1,200 pages, 300 player profiles, and it's got like grade stats and stuff that you don't get anywhere else, like cover stats for DBs, pass rushing stats, pressures for defensive linemen, all the stuff we get give away for the pros or have – the pros you can see for all these prospects and also we have team pages that give you kind of the evaluation of where their roster where each team's roster is what their biggest needs are what we see their biggest needs are how much draft capital they've invested in certain positions over the past five years uh, and basically how well they've drafted so it's an interesting sort of uh, holistic view it has pretty much anything you could want about these draft prospects it's always a great draft guide, so snatch that up before draft day. Get it this week. Uh, Mike, give me your thoughts on the 2020 NFL draft. Just kind of a 30,000-foot view. A lot of positions absolutely loaded. Uh, what do you see? So the receiving position is the deepest I've seen since we started doing this. Now, we didn't do the 2014 class, which was probably the previous sort of record holder at the position. But I think it might even be deeper than that in terms of you'll find – probably 1,000-yard type wide receivers on day two of this draft, and not just one. You'll probably find a handful on day two. It goes about, uh, you know, probably 12 or so deep in terms of just quality at that position. I could step in and start for pretty much any team in the NFL right away. So it might not have kind of, you know, it might not have a Julio Jones, but it's got a lot of talent. And I'm a big fan of the guys at the top and CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy to be number one type of wide receiver. So that's really good. And I think the second best position is pretty easily offensive tackle. It's not as deep as wide receiver. It really only goes about five deep, but those five guys, in my opinion, are high-level starting tackles in the NFL. They're Andrew Thomas, Tristan Wirfs, Jedrick Wills, Josh Jones, and I'd even throw Mekhi Becton in there, even though he's a little bit more of a project at this point. I think you're getting just teams are really paying for tackle you know, sort of play and anything borderline competent on the open market. And I think you're getting more than competent with these guys. The charges at number six, you're going to get a player. You're either going to get a franchise type quarterback or you're going to get a starting left tackle 
or you're going to get a blue chip defender, whether it's an Isaiah Simmons or a Jeffrey Okuda. It's a good year to have the number six pick, especially when you have some some holes to fill. And also, uh, that franchise quarterback could be there, Mike. That is the thing. And that's what everyone sort of, they're one of the two. Them and the Dolphins, it seems like. No one else has this massive, glaring sort of need for the quarterback position that can really fill it there at the top besides them. And so I think you'll see a bidding war. But I think from a desperation sort of standpoint, Chargers are more desperate right now than the Dolphins to get that guy. Like Tyrod Taylor was benched his last two spots, benched for a reason. He's just, he's fine. He's just not going to lead you to where you want to go. And that's a Super Bowl. And so they have a roster that's built to win a Super Bowl. So I do think that you'll see a move be made come draft day. Tua, Herbert, Burrow, Love, how do you view these guys? Is there a, a gap, a sizable gap in your eyes between one to oh, yeah. four? Yeah. Yes, explain no explain that yeah. in your eyes. It is not even – I would, if after Burrow and Tua, I'm, I don't think – I just don't think they're going to be quality starters. After that, you have projects after Burrow and Tua. I think you have franchise-type quarterbacks in Burrow and Tua, and Tua obviously massive injury red flags. Uh, you know, it was in a favorable situation at Alabama, but I think you can still objectively evaluate his accuracy, his decision-making, his pocket presence, things like that. And those are all elite traits that he possesses. He's very good in all those regards. So and he's never played bad football. Like he played good football as a true freshman in the national championship game. That, that hasn't been the case for Jordan Love. Obviously, I mean, this last year was not great football. He had 17 picks. So uh, the thing about those two, uh, I'll start with Herbert, is just that, the same issues we saw with Herbert when he first started and started at quarterback as a true freshman at Oregon, we see now. Like he is robotic in his movements, doesn't throw with touch whatsoever, not particularly accurate. He just has a cannon for an arm and, and is pretty athletic uh, and, you know, can run a little bit. Those are his big pros. But the sort of quarterback things that he's supposed to be able to do uh, aren't good and have not improved is the even the bigger worry, like you, you can take a chance on a guy if it was one year of him seeing this uh, and maybe he'll fix them. But like if he hasn't fixed them over the course of his college career, what are the chances he all of a sudden fix him in the NFL? Not willing to take that risk. And then Jordan Love has a little more feel for the position, I'd say. You see him do more sort of things that are high level, more like throw with touch, like change his delivery angle to put it around a guy, that sort of thing that you'd never see from Justin Herbert. So it has more sort of innate feel for the position, but his footwork, his mechanics, his decision-making is just so inconsistent, up and down. And we've seen that from guys in the past. It reminds me a lot of Deshaun Kaiser coming out. It reminds me to some degree of Sam Darnold in ter- terms of the step back he took. And it was because of a lot of the inconsistent, a lot of the footwork inconsistencies and sort of decision-making inconsistencies we saw with Darnold. People sort of glossed over that you know rough redshirt sophomore year, I believe it was because he was so talented as a retro freshman, I think it's similar to love where it's like, yes, uh, he took a big step back and people are trying to gloss it over. But if you really were, you know, the guy and you really were going to clean up all those sort of inconsistencies, you would have cleaned them up. Like they would have gotten better from year to year. Uh, and they did not for Jordan love. And I think we've seen Darnold kind of in the NFL still have some of those. Like if Tua gets a clean bill of health and you see the weapons that the Chargers have with Eckler in the backfield, with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry. Uh, they've revamped this right side of the offensive line with Trey Turner and Brian Bulaga. Hopefully Mike Pouncey comes back healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's it's good for a left-hand quarterback. Uh, do you see him as a plug-and-play guy if he gets a clean bill of health in 2020? I do. I think he will be right off the gate a starter, and I think there's aspects of the position that it will come easily to him right away. Like he'll be able to step in and won't look out of place. I don't think you'll see dominant level play. I think he'll be up and down and it won't be great out the gate with him just because of the situation he was in Alabama, the transition, it's just going to be difficult for him, but fully healthy. Like I said, I, I do anticipate uh, him being a franchise type quarterback. Like that's who he looked like on tape at Alabama. To piggyback off that, the fact that we're going through these unprecedented situations and circumstances with with being at home right now, how do you think this rookie class is going to look in 2020? If you don't have the full offseason program, the the rookie minicamp, the OTAs that are so critical for the development of some of these guys, are you going to see more kind of uh, red shirt-ish type situations for some of these players? Yeah, I think this is the year. Now, usually rookies have a big transition. Like usually people overestimate sort of how, you know, suddenly they'll make an impact on your roster. But this year, even more so, if you're drafting to sort of plug a hole and think a guy is going to all of a sudden fill it admirably and be great at it, this is not the year to do it. It's not going to happen. Just with Even if signing free agents, I think you're going to be behind the eight ball in terms of learning offenses, learning defense, you know, learning their being a part of the, their new team, I, I think any addition is going to be, it's just going to have a, maybe won't come on to the second half of the year, be actually, you know, up to speed and performing because of the offseason, not having that and not being able to get, you know, with the respective franchises. So yes, do not be just filling holes recklessly uh, in yeah. this draft because it won't work out probably well for you. Mike, name a few of your favorite players in this draft that, that may not be getting that mainstream love. It, it doesn't have to be the first round, maybe some sleepers or guys that you're really high on that we're not hearing about necessarily um, on a day-to-day basis when you look at these mock drafts and, and some of the analysis we see. <sighs> that one's always tough because there's not a ton, I feel like, in this class that I absolutely love. A couple guys, though, are a guard, which obviously the Chargers could use a guard. So look out for this guy. Maybe in the third round, Natani Muti out of Fresno State. So kind of right down. Uh, the road there a little bit uh, he's just a freak of nature his I don't usually watch highlight reels of offensive linemen but his highlight reel is one of the most ridiculous highlight reels I've ever seen and that was back as his redshirt freshman year he got injured the last two years came out in this year's draft but he's actually our top interior tier offensive lineman on our board so he'll probably fall with those injury concerns but I think if he's healthy you're getting a good guard which I know injuries and Chargers, you don't even want to hear that, Chargers fans. So maybe don't go down that road. But the other guy I'd say is Mississippi State linebacker Willie Gay Jr., who's went to the combine, physical freak of nature. I mean, went sub 4-5. Obviously, the Chargers could use uh, help at linebacker as well. So he's in the mix. And another guy who, I guess maybe I fall in love with these guys who don't play football, but it barely played this past year because he got suspended uh, for cheating on the chemistry test and punching his quarterback in the face, which is quite the duo to achieve in one season so Willie Gay Jr. though when he's on the field has all the cover skills like he's a first round talent on the football field but he just barely got to see it this past season how tempted would you be to take a Jeffrey Okuda or an Isaiah Simmons or a, or a left tackle if you're the Chargers at six uh balancing that w- with the quarterback position I I would be very tempted especially if you know, they're asking the asking price to go up and get to us a lot, especially if, um, you know, the guys like Andy Dalton 
Cam Newton are still available and still can kick the tires in that route because you have a roster that's so good that, like I said, that rookie that you're bringing in at the quarterback position and the quarterback especially, it's probably not going to hit the ground running. It's probably not going to take you to the promised land. I don't think it's – has that rookie ever won the Super Bowl? I'm not – I don't think they have at the quarterback position. It's just not going to happen. So go out and get a veteran and build – you know, get, grab an elite prospect. Like, like I said, the tackle position is incredibly deep. You can get a starter from day one there. You can get an Isaiah Simmons who can – you know, add to an already dominant defense, get a guy like that. And all of a sudden you don't need a lot from your offense. You know, you don't need a ton else. If you just get anywhere near competent quarterback play, you should be in the mix. All right. The bolts pick at the, at the top of each round this year, let's just look at the first three rounds, Mike, (laughs) what does a, an ideal draft look like for the chargers selected at the top of the first, second and third. So, like I said, it depends on where they end up at the quarterback position. I I fully expect them to be attacking Tua Tagovailoa. I, I think they ended up getting him when it's all said and done. They're going to give up a lot for him because of the need they have, and not just the need they have at the quarterback position, but the need they have to bring in like fans and get people excited about this season. And a guy like that will do it. You know, a guy with his personality and that sort of stuff will get fans behind them. So uh, I, I think that's going to be the case. If not, though, I would. Ideally, like I said, I would ideally sign the quarterback in free agency or deal one for someone like an Andy Dalton, like I said, and attack offensive tackle right off the top because it's such a need for them. They've been so bad at it for so long. The tackle has is so good. So someone like Andrew Thomas at sixth would be great for me. And then second round, uh, like I think that's where the value starts to end at the or starts to be at the cornerback position. A lot of guys who have skill sets that aren't necessarily you know, first round aren't necessarily perfect prospects that you take in the first round, but you can do get the job done with them. I think someone like Trayvon Diggs from Alabama fits real well in a cover three sort of scheme. Great zone instincts. Not going to be your classic man-to-man corner, but uh, you let him you know work in the silo, and I think he'd be really good. And then third round, I'll say Willie Gay. Get take Willie Gay then. Get your linebacker then. Uh, I think that's again where the linebacking class starts sort of starts to have value. You might see guys like Texas Tech, Jordan Brooks come off the board in that area. Willie Gay from Mississippi State. Troy Dye from Oregon. Guys who can cover uh, and have some speed in them. So hopefully I get one of those right this year. All right, we're going to check the tape, no, no doubt. Hey, skill position players, you know, fans are wondering too, the wide receiver position, you have Mike Williams, you have Keenan Allen. What wide receiver three would look good? Maybe a, a guy that could take the top off the defense. And then also the running back position, with Austin Eckler in the fold, he can do everything. But you lose Melvin Gordon. Justin Jackson is is still with the Chargers. But is there a running back that may make sense in rounds two to seven that you think could be a nice fit? Yeah, they do have a speed sort of deficiency at wide receiver at the moment. If you are going to get a guy, you're you like I said, want a guy that can take the top off the defense. I think KJ Hamler from Penn State is probably that guy in the second round who would be your slot guy in that offense for the most part and can get down the field. Probably didn't run at the combine, but would have, would have likely gone in the four threes. He has legit deep speed. So KJ Hamler from Penn state, I'd say kind of a carbon copy of him in the later rounds would be Darnell Mooney from Tulane. He went like four, three, eight at the combine. It's just an explosive guy. Neither have great hands. I think uh, Hamler dropped like 12 balls this past year. Mooney almost like 10, but I think you just need that sort of speed aspect in that offense just to get defenses to respect it. And so they're not just squatting on Mike Williams and Keenan Allen underneath. So I would look into those guys. I would also 
So at the running back position, I think some size, you're, you're sort of your third down guy that you're missing without Melvin Gordon could work well in that offense. I really, one of our favorites here at PFF is Utah's Zach Moss. He had the highest broken tackle rate in the country this past season. He's like 225 pounds, 5'10", built like a brick. Uh, he is your thumper between the tackles. He is your kind of short yardage guy who will move uh, the chains in that regard. Love it. Mike Renner, Pro Football Focus. Uh, tell everybody what you're going to be doing over the next eight, nine days leading up to the draft, where we can find your stuff and everything you have going on during a busy time. Yeah, I'll be locked in my uh, apartment here, do it, writing up more draft <laughs> prospects, uh, not leaving. So it's actually, and now it's not even because of the coronavirus. That's just what I would have been doing anyway. So uh, I will be doing that, writing up a ton of articles, ton of content before the draft. And then we have a live draft show on our YouTube channel. I think it's going to be streaming on our Twitter everywhere, pretty much like everyone else is doing uh, for the draft. But uh, that'll, be, that'll be a fun time. So I'm looking forward to it. And hopefully, like I said, can get those Chargers picks again. Let's go. Yeah. Well, like I said, we're going to check the tape. And uh, if you didn't hear it, I, I have the I have the the bite from uh, last year. It's kind of eerie, actually, because I think you went Jerry Tillery, Nas Adderley. What you did was pretty remarkable, Mike. So I I appreciate you joining us every year. It's always fun, bud. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll talk to you down the line. Yeah, for sure, Chris. Thanks for having me on, man.